it might be something that helps me keep the off duty stuff off duty yeah. and maybe it'll maybe it'll save uh, my life or someone else's right. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 6 of the Squad Room. Uh, today is another conversation with Traver Bohm, and we're going to talk about two seemingly unrelated topics. Uh, first one is an important one, and it's a question we both get asked, or have gotten asked uh, a few times since starting this project, and he gets asked it all the time as a coach and as a physical fitness trainer. How do I start... Uh, and figure out my goals. So he walks us through his process for uh, determining how to write goals, what they should be, and, and the way that we should frame those goals. And that's a uh, part of the conversation. And then the second part of the conversation is about uh, starting a meditation practice. But wait, don't don't press pause just yet. Trust me, it's worth it. It's worth listening to some of this because there is a direct application to law enforcement and you'll see it at the end of the episode when we kind of tie it all together but uh, meditation is not just for old hippies uh, who do lots of yoga and live up in the mountains um, there's a lot of people that I uh, aspire to be like who already do uh, meditation um, a lot of them that I've talked about here on the podcast before, like Mark Devine or Eric Reitens or even Greg Amundsen from episode uh, number three or even Traver, my coach. So I've tried it. Uh, I'm not great at it. I uh, certainly have a long ways to go. It is a hard, it is one of the harder things of this entire process is getting comfortable with the idea of trying this and that I am the kind of person that meditates. But I do find value in it. And we'll talk about that in the episode. As always, if you want to support the show, go to iTunes and leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Shoot us an email at squadroompodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at The Squadroom. And check out the show notes for this show at thesquadroom.net. Lots of... Uh, information related to this episode particularly is on the sh is on our website um, some starters on meditation some of the uh, apps that I use or have tried and some of the websites there's some good some good information and eventually we'll have an episode of that is just entirely a guided meditation just so you have uh, at least one resource to go to that is uh, um, walks you through what to do so here we are back with Traver. All right, Traver, welcome back. Thank you very much for having me. Um, so get right to it. Today I wanted to, uh, first thing I wanted to talk about was something that we, I mean, maybe we should have talked about earlier, uh, but for people who are doing this uh, on their own or at home, uh, in the last episode we talked about kind of building your team, mm -hmm. the last episode you were with me on building your team and uh, getting the people like the physical therapist and uh, a preventative medicine doctor, uh, maybe a chiropractor, mm -hmm. those kinds of people on your team and treating yourself as a tactical athlete, as we call, yep. called it. Um, but 
There's going to be a lot of people also who just don't have that ability or maybe right. based on where they live, don't have access to the kind of physical therapist you need who's right. more sports medicine minded. Right. Um, they may not have those options. So right. they're going to be left to their own devices and there's going to be a lot of resources. And the point of this podcast is to give them a lot of the resources to help do that on their own. Excellent. Uh, and uh, direct them to things like Kelly Sturette's book, yep. or things you can do for self-maintenance. Great resource. But, yes. Amazing. Uh, but one of the biggest things that people who are going to be doing this by themselves or, or, or who need sort of a, a running start is, is where to start or, mm-hmm. or maybe where, to, where they're starting, but where they want to end up. What are Definitely. their goals? Definitely. And it's easy to write out goals uh, when you have someone asking you how to do it. But if you, <laughs> have, to, if you have to think, well, what's, what, what do I want? And, right. and how do you recommend people go about setting goals sure and and um what should those goals sound like sure 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 great questions excuse me first of all i think again we're going to keep hammering this self-knowledge and self-understanding so before we get to the actual physical manifestation of the goal i i would ask people to ask themselves why do i want this goal and what does it mean to me why is it important to me etc so spend five or ten minutes getting to the root of the goal and and asking yourself, is this goal my goal? Is this something that you want because it's actually what you want? Or are there other factors? Is it, is it your parents' goal? Is it your spouse's goal? Or is it really truly something that you want? And once you've answered those questions and you become clear with those questions, then it's a matter of just sitting down with a pen and paper and some quiet time and, and, and asking yourself the question of what do I want? And, and there's some, some key parts of goal setting. First of all, a goal has to have a timeline on it. And so to say, I want to be a millionaire, great, by when? If it doesn't have a when, your brain's going to go, okay, your subconscious is going to go fantastic and kick it out and get rid of it. I don't believe in setting 10-year goals, five-year goals without sub-goals. If I say, okay, I'm 39 years old. By the time I'm 49, I want X. Again, my subconscious is like, sweet. I probably have eight years to dick around and then two years to get really serious. So I like to set goals no further out first off than 90 days and then break those up even smaller. But let's set a 90-day goal to start. So for a weight loss client, say they're 250 pounds, they want to get down to 220. Great. So let's set that as a 90-day goal, 30 30 pounds in 90 days. So first off, it it has the timeline. It has specificity. So every time your subconscious and you look at that piece of paper and say, okay, I want to lose 30, day, 30 pounds in the next 90 days, that's specific, as opposed to I want to lose weight. Just think of the difference between the two. I want to lose weight. Okay, that's goal one. I want to lose 30 pounds in the next 90 days. That's goal two. Which do you think you can navigate around more easily? Because I hate to be uh, flippant with it, but if you say, I want to lose weight, awesome lose a pound and you've done it, you've achieved your goal, but you haven't really gotten to where you really wanna go. So it has to have specificity. I would say it needs to be present. I will lose 30 pounds in the next 90 days. That's far more powerful for yourself, for your psyche and for the world around you than I want to. If you want to lose weight in the next 90 days and you can spend the next 90 days wanting to lose weight, And it's not just a play on words. That means you've actually reached your goals. I've wanted to do this for 90 days. The goal is I have lost 30 pounds in the next 90 days. So present, it also has a timeline on it and it's yours. It's something that you know you want to do and a great 
uh, tip that I think I talked about in the first episode I stole from my old coach Andy Petronic is it has to be 50% believable, right? So it can't be I want to make a billion dollars in the next two weeks and I'm currently at 10.25 an hour. Your subconscious is going to go, fabulous, let's get that one right the F out of here. And it has to be at least 50% believable. So you can take your long-term end goal of I want to get from 220 to 180, but maybe that's not the, the most believable thing for the next 90 days. Don't set yourself up for failure. So we want to find that middle ground of not setting ourselves up for failure, but then also challenging ourselves. So if I'm at 220, I don't want to say, okay, in the next 90 days, I want to get to 219 because that's, you know, don't drink water for a day and go take a dump and you're bam, you're at 219. <laughs> um, so really finding that middle ground of, will it challenge you? Will it force you to get out of bed in the morning? Will it force you to take those extra little steps? Is it specific? Is it yours? And does it have a timeline? Very, very important. I think the next most important aspect, and this is something uh, I do all the time, is you've got to write it down. Write it down and write it down in multiple places. So one of the things I have my clients do is take post-it notes. Write their goals down, put it in the bathroom mirror. Write their goals down, put it in their wallet. Where are places that you go actively throughout the day? Tell someone else, get some accountability. Don't tell everybody. Like you said in the in the last podcast that certain people are going to go, wait, you want to lose weight? It's stupid. Why would you do that? They're, they're people that your own self-improvement shines a mirror up to them and they go, well, I don't want to lose, I really want to lose weight, but I wish I had the courage he did. So I'm going to try to drag him down with me, but find your inner circle, get some accountability, tell your best friend, tell your spouse and, and sit down with these people and have an honest conversation, not just, Hey John, I want to lose 30 pounds. I want you to hold a, hold me accountable. Be human, be vulnerable, open up about it and say, you know what? I don't like how I look. I don't feel good in my own skin. I think I could do a lot better at my job and, and I've tried this a couple times and I failed and I'm really scared about failing again so I need some help so I want you to hold me accountable I want you to pick me up I want you to, to no bullshit me so if we're out and you know I order a plate of nachos and four beers I want you to say hey man what about your goals and, and they're, it's, that's also part of your team your team isn't just professionals and, um, and, and, and doctors and, and, and whatnot. it's, it's your your, your your tribe it's your your group it's your gang it's your mm -hmm. you know it's your friends so find some trusted people and enroll them in the in this even better if you can have an accountability partner you go hey you know john uh, i'm gonna try to lose 30 pounds do you have any goals that you're working on right now too so, well you know what I, I really would too i'd like to lose some weight as well cool let's go to the gym together let's 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 team up you know we're we're social creatures by nature we talk about CrossFit all the time and how it, it sort of changed the map of fitness because people went from training on their own to training in a group. And we all of a sudden found like, wow, high fives and hugs are pretty cool. And so is cheering and so is having other people. So, so get some accountability. Um, write it down. Put it public. Put it every time you open your wallet, I want you to see your goals. Every time you walk into that bathroom in the morning, I want you to see your goals. Um, those are some big, big steps. The next one, and this is probably one of the most powerful exercises I've ever personally done, and well, ha I'm having you do, and stole this straight up from uh, from Mark Devine. Actually, did it before I saw he did it. So maybe we both were geniuses just separately. We'll go with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll go with that one. Uh, <laughs> is shoot a video. So actually, take a video camera, or take your phone, or take you know, this is the day and age where just about every device on Earth can shoot video, and film yourself answering the question of now that I have achieved X goal, how do I feel? 
So now that I've lost 30 pounds, literally answered this question. Okay, Garrett, now that you've lost 30 pounds, how do you feel and tell me about your life? And literally look into the camera and go, oh my God, I feel so amazing now that I've lost this 30 pounds. I get up and down the stairs so much faster. My back doesn't hurt. My sex life is so much better. My wife thinks I'm more attractive. I feel so much better in my own skin. I set a goal and God damn it, I achieved it. It was hard, but I, every day I, I worked, I did everything I could and I am fucking awesome. I feel so good about myself. You can put music behind this. You can, you can get as creative as you want with it, but I don't know how to quantify this. But watching yourself, your own image, talk about what it's like to achieve things that you may have some question whether you can or not is unbelievably empowering. And it's almost freaky. You know, the first time people watch, they go, I feel stupid. I just watched myself on film. <laughs> Second time they watch, they're like, wow, it's, it's really interesting. Third or fourth time, like, wow, I believe it now because I know the guy sitting on the, on the mm -hmm. screen. I'm looking at him. He looks a lot like me. And he's talking in this way that, wow it, I didn't even know I could talk and, and it changes you it goes back to swallowing all of this and really taking it down deep into your core of, of belief and if you believe that you can lose 30 pounds to the last micro atom of you then come hell or high water you're going to do it so just to recap 90 days that's let's, let's just forecast out that far make them present present tense make them yours Make them 50% believable. Write them down. Get some accountability. And then the last is to shoot that future me video and then actually watch it. Watch it over and over before every one of your shifts, before you go into work, watch it. When you wake up in the morning, watch it. The more you see yourself, the more you're going to believe it. The more you believe it, the more it's going to come true. And that's that's an easy thing for people to do, the video. I mean, it's just a, everyone's got a smartphone now. It is and you so just easy. Put it on the video mode and... You can shoot a little video selfie talking yeah. about it. It doesn't have to be anything intense. Nothing. But it is one of the areas where I get the most resistance. I totally get that. Yeah. <laughs> it is unbelievable the excuses that come in about, whoa, whoa, whoa. I even have a, a guy that runs a, uh, a an internet marketing company. So he has professional videographers in his office. He posts videos all day long for his company and says, I, I just, I haven't been, I don't have, I have I just, that's it. Blah, 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 blah. Like, no, you just don't <laughs> believe you're afraid of the outcome or you're afraid of what your life's going to look like when you reach this goal. So you're, you're not doing it. But once people do it and get over this stupid fear of, well, first of all, no one's going to have to look at this. That's everyone's fear. Like, oh God, what if this makes it on YouTube? <laughs> you know, and suddenly there I am talking about how awesome I am. Yeah. Fuck it, put it on YouTube. You really want accountability, make it public. Yeah. But, but you don't have to. This can literally be just your private thoughts and your private feelings. And yeah, that's, that's probably why people have a problem. Yeah. It's private thoughts and feelings. Yeah. And those can be. Uh, yeah. Those can be scary. It's real if you're saying it back to you. It becomes very, very real, and then you actually have to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, think of that scene in uh, in in Fight Club where the guy has a where t Tyler Durden has a gun to the back of the guy's head and said, "I want you to enroll in veterinary school or whatever it is by tomorrow." that's leverage you know and when you look at your own face telling you okay i've lost 30 pounds and this is how fucking awesome my life is it gets real real mm -hmm. and, and that can throw you cool do it anyway do it anyway people do it so uh you had me start this week on meditation yes 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 so we met off to off of we didn't record but we we met briefly and you gave me your uh kind of like your very how-to version, yeah. your early one. You gave me a goal of five minutes mm -hmm. a day, mm -hmm. five minutes a day. And uh, 
happy report that I I did that. Excellent. Good for you. And actually was up to, I was doing seven minutes. Excellent. Um, but there's a lot of people just kind of like we just talked about with recording yourself talking about stuff who are going to cringe mm-hmm. and raise an eyebrow mm-hmm. or they've already turned us off mm-hmm. when they when they heard the <laughs> M word. <laughs> meditation, right? This guy doesn't want me to drink and wants you to meditate. Yeah. He's a fruitcake. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm, of course, part of the whole point of this project is to be open to anything and everything that mm-hmm. might uh, be a force multiplier in living the optimal lifestyle that I want to lead. Yeah. So I'm, I'm game, Good. but I know that a lot of people aren't. Yep. And I guess my, I can give my very basic, uh, experience over, over the last week. Sure. But I do know coming into this, that there's a lot of people that I look up to and that I, um, respect who do meditate. Excellent. Um, me too. Yeah. It's, and as I, as I go, it's not, it's people you wouldn't expect. Mm-hmm. And you have to think that if some of these people are engaged in this, there's got to be something to it. Mm-hmm. And you're ta- and a lot of them use uh, more, much more masculine talk or, mm-hmm. or, or titling of it than I, th- I think to overcome that misperception right. that it's a kind of a hippie new age practice right. all done by men in their 40s who do yoga all day long and uh, women in flowery dresses who live on a commune. Right. Uh, The people I'm thinking of who I know meditate um, are, you know, we already talked about Mark Devine, former SEAL team commander and the uh, owner of SEAL Fit. Yep. Um, He is big on it. Mm -hmm. And um, he's even said in his podcast, his SEAL Fit podcast, that, uh, you know, meditation... I don't know how he said it, but I'll paraphrase. Meditation is not for pussies. Right. Um, because it is hard. It's challenging. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that he was doing actively when he was on active duty, obviously there's some benefit and there's some translation to me, not only as a, as a guy, but also as someone who has um, uh, a position where you're confronted with not even close to the same stuff, but that same mindset mm-hmm. you need to be in that same mindset as you know in law enforcement you need to be in the same mindset uh sometimes as one of our warriors mm-hmm. right not all the time but sometimes you need to be able to turn that on so he's one of them mm-hmm. um other people uh tim ferris is someone who i'm a fan of the author who wrote four hour body and four hour work week and four hour chef he really uh, ascribes to it and encourages it and he's headed on his podcast talking mm-hmm. about it and and then the guests on his podcast, uh, who are billionaire hedge fund managers mm-hmm. and Silicon Valley tycoons and high level MDs, they all meditate. Mm-hmm. So, and they're you know, and I'm thinking all all males too. And obviously, I hope not just males are listening to this, but that is the group that I think is going to be the ha- that has the hardest uh, chance of believing that this is a value. Yeah, for sure. So. Uh, with that, um, I guess I'll tell you my experience and then we'll maybe try and get people, walk people through sure. your how to so that they can try this on their own sometime. Sure, sure, sure. I'll post on the show notes, some resources, uh, to go through or to kind of find some more information on it. I'm still just scratching the surface of learning this. So it's a, it's a learning process for me too. So happy to have your input, but 
Um, and, and I should say too, I've tried sporadically some sort of meditations before guided meditations mm-hmm. usually. And I've, I've enjoyed them usually cause it just means it's five minutes of peace and quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's actually a real value. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, the challenge, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I bet the, I bet the hang up you get from people is, Oh, I tried it for a couple of days and I couldn't get myself to shut up right. my mind to shut up. Right. So I'm not good at it. Right. But the whole point of it is to go through that exercise of, of, of slowing your mind down. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not going to, you're not going to first time all of a sudden have this inner peace. It's that's, this, that's not going to work. Nope. And there are going to be days. There were days for me where I actually achieved 20 seconds, mm-hmm. 15 seconds. That's brilliant. Where I don't think I thought of anything. Right. Where I was just kind of in it. Right. And feeling like, and then, but then 20 minutes, 20 seconds in to that space, my, some little thought would creep in yeah. the back of my mind and then come to the forefront. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking about something and I have right. to draw that back. And right. there were other days like yesterday, uh, where I didn't have a moment of silence in my head, mm-hmm. you know, That's a lot okay. going on, running late, right. Have my to do list going on in my head and I just could not get myself to calm down. It's okay. Um, but even then at seven minutes felt value in it of just enough to, to close my eyes and, even if it was just kind of running through some of the issues that I was thinking through in my head, at least I had seven minutes devoted to working some of that stuff out. Mm. Now that wasn't the, I was obviously not the intent of meditation is to do that, but that's kind of what it became. Mm -hmm. So even though I quote unquote failed at achieving some inner silence that day, I still got a lot of value out of it. Seven minutes passed, like it was three minutes Mm -hmm. and I did. And I felt better, Mm -hmm. um, felt a little bit more, uh, ready to take on the day and, so I, I've been a fan of it. Um, I've had to do it. In, I can't do it at home some days because uh, um, I get up early and every every minute of the every when I wake up in the morning, you know, the kids are still asleep and I get to go go off to work every minute. I'm in the house and I'm not leaving is risking them waking up and you know, <laughs> getting up at 4 a.m. and waking up my wife, etc. So I, I leave the house to do it. And yeah. I, I um, will. Uh, actually go sit in my car before I get off to work mm-hmm. and that's been that's worked just fine so even if I'm just sitting in the car mm-hmm. uh, with the eyes closed and all that that, that 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 seems to work just fine for me or it might be an hour or two after waking up and getting the kids to school and getting them off and then coming home and having a second mm. and then doing it then mm-hmm. so I haven't been very consistent the other day and I don't know how important that is or how f- important you feel that is it um, is and it isn't. But I imagine uh, the just doing it is more important. Yes. Than not than than what time of day you do it or having that consistency. Yes, 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 yes. So uh, to to assuage some of the fears mm-hmm. of someone who's hopefully listening to this and willing to try anything, what uh, how long how long have you been doing meditation? Sure. What kind of prompted you to start doing it? Sure the benefits you've had. You even went to a retreat. Yep. Multiple. Um, so talk about that maybe. And then how you recommend someone start scratching the surface of trying to, trying to look into this or trying to try this. Sure, sure, sure. So I'll give you a quick history of myself. Uh, I believe like most white kids from Connecticut, 
um, I got into it through martial arts and through realizing that, oh, Bruce Lee did it, Chuck Norris did it, and you know, reading books like that in high school, this is all pre-internet, and thinking, okay, there's something to this. And first it was the mysticism of it. It was, oh, the Kung Fu masters would meditate for hours a day and they could levitate and throw fireballs at each other. Awesome. That's what's going to happen to me. Sort of like that getting nice. yeah, sort of like getting the force, um, you know, this is from Star Wars, and so I tried it in high school, and by trying it, meaning just sort of sat on my own and did what I thought I was supposed to do, which was not think, and that didn't work. Um, even all the way into college, my mom for a birthday present got me a two-day retreat at a Buddhist monastery. Odd birthday present for a twenty-year-old. That is the weird. Yeah. <laughs> That wins. That yeah, wins yeah. for weirdest birthday present I've ever heard. So of. I left college, took a bus, and went to this place and still didn't get it. And so for the hours and hours and hours that we spent that weekend in meditation, I literally just watched movies in my head and thought about girls back at school and was wondering who was winning the Final Four that weekend and even snuck out at night with another guy and listened to basketball games in my car. And literally the bell would ring and I'd think, okay, Jesus, all I have to do is make it through the next 45 minutes. Let's come up with five or six things to fantasize about and think about to get through this time. And that was not how to do it. And it really wasn't until grad school where, uh, where I was studying acupuncture that I got more into it. And oddly enough, what got me into it was the fact that I was also fighting. So I had a professional MMA career going on where I was trying to kick the shit out of people <clears throat> and not get the shit kicked out of me. And one of the most important aspects of that training were the two or three hours a week where I would actually go to this woman's house at six in the morning and sit with another group. And that would keep me calm enough throughout those days that I wasn't fixated on what's my opponent doing? What should I be doing? What happens if someone throws a right hook at me? What happens if I lose in front of my friends? What happens if I get my head broken in? All of these thoughts that were randomly coming into my head and were driving me insane, in addition to grad school, in addition to work, I found this hour of peace. And for an hour, the volume in my head got turned down. And that's a really important way to think of it. Like you talked about for law enforcement that you have an earpiece in and all day long someone's chirping on it, whether it's for you or someone else. Well, guess what? We all have that. It's called our brain. Mm -hmm. And ask someone, you know, how long can you go without thinking? And, and it's maybe a second, maybe it's two, and it's just this blah, 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 this constant noise. Um, so I, I, I did it in grad school, and I threw myself into it, and I started to understand it, that one, this isn't about not trying to think. That's not the goal, and that will just trip you up. And um, two quick stories of, of why I knew it was powerful. In, as an undergrad at the University of Vermont, I watched a talk on Buddhism, and this was maybe an hour-long talk and there were speakers up on this panel and there were all these people talking and there was one guy that for the entire fucking hour did not move and he was a white guy with a beard he wasn't some mystical Asian guy from somewhere else but he physically did not move and I probably moved 725 times in my seat and shifted and got uncomfortable and blah blah you know just squirming through the entire talk and I just watched this guy and thought how the hell can he not move what is going on in his being that lets him do that? Because it seems so much more powerful than I am. Mm -hmm. And power is an, is an interesting word around meditation. The second was when I met the woman, Kathy Sankey, who you can look up, uh, was my meditation teacher in grad school. And she's probably four foot 11, maybe 70 pounds soaking wet. But, and I don't know how to articulate this other than she emanated this power. 
like I would not want to fight this woman. And you know, even at that time when I was at the height of my training, I just knew she could take me any way she wanted because she was so much tougher than I was and so much more grounded and so much more aligned and, and was just something about her seems so powerful. And I think it was the stillness. So I wanted to find what do these people have? What, what, what is this? Why, what is this sense of power that goes beyond the physical, that goes beyond how much you can deadlift and how much you can, how hard you can punch. Um, so she actually put on a retreat for two days at her house and it was brutal. We were there at, I believe 4am and we got released at 1130 PM. And so that's a long day for two days in a row. We would meditate throughout the day. There were times every hour we'd get up and do a walking meditation. So you're not sitting the entire time. There was, there were some breaks, but through the entire day was set in silence. So meals, no one was talking to each other at all. Meditation, no one's talking. Walking, no one's talking. No one's talking at all. And the first day, I literally lost my shit. I freaked out. I thought it was a stupid decision. There was really good surf in Manhattan Beach. I told myself, <laughs> like, why the hell am I here? You know, I'm giving up valuable time. This is a waste of my time. I'm an athlete. I'm not a fucking meditator. And I went a little bit nuts. And then I came back on the second day, and I don't know how else to describe it other than I dropped in and found whatever this feeling was that we were supposed to be attaining. And for the entire day, I was still. I did not want to flinch. I didn't want to shift. I didn't want to fidget. My brain went from volume nine and a half to volume two. My stomach relaxed. There were just there was such an overwhelming feeling of peace that I had never really experienced, especially as a male, especially as an athlete, especially mm-hmm. as a fighter, especially as a grad student. Um, we are constantly doing do, 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 especially law enforcement, especially men do fucking do. That's one of the challenges of getting men to meditate. It's like, well, what am I supposed to do? You're not, you're supposed to be. And f- for the next two days, when I sat back in school, four hour classes, mind you, which would normally drive me up the wall. I actually quit after my first year because it was too much sitting. I sat perfectly still, didn't fidget, just listened, took everything in. Again, the volume was turned way back down and day three, boom, right back to being a squirmy, obnoxious, you know, pain in the ass. But I got it at that point. I really started to get that there is a physical, biological shift that happens when you turn your brain down or you just engage in this practice. So that's a little bit of my experience of it. I prescribe it to every student and every client that I have and get more resistance, as you said, from that than from shooting the future me videos people struggle with this and they struggle with it because they think that the goal is not to think and that's not the goal at all that's that's actually impossible it's like okay for the next five minutes i want you to not breathe good luck with that awesome you know you're, everybody's going to fail the goal is well first let's let's knock out some of the um the resistance this is not a religious activity so i've had people say well i can't meditate i'm christian i can't meditate i'm muslim and hmm. uh, whoever your god is you didn't give a fuck if you sit down quietly and turn your brain off never even thought of that as yeah. an issue yeah the actual act it's, it's the same reason a lot of uh, you know parents get upset that there's yoga taught in elementary schools because we're pushing it's a whole other conversation <laughs> all you are doing is not prescribing to a dogma you are sitting and viewing the difference between your thoughts and who's thinking them and that's a very important distinction to make there's a distinction between the brain and the being and the brain this is about another Gavin De Becker line he said that your brain is like a chainsaw 
which is a fantastic tool. What does the brain want to do? Solve problems. Give me problems. Let me let me fix shit. But what happens when you have that same chainsaw going on in your head and is at 10 and 10 p.m. when you're trying to sleep? That's not a good tool to have on. So can we use it as a tool? Okay, I wake up in the morning. I go to work. It's time to turn the chainsaw on. And then at 6 p.m., I want to come home and be with my wife and kids. I don't really want a chainsaw running in my head because it's driving me it's driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. And the things that get that chainsaw going and make it louder and make it more of an overwhelming force in your life is stress, is challenge, is emotion, is drama. Say you get in an argument with your, with your superior at work. What happens when you go home? You don't just forget about it and let it go. You argue in your head. You have conversations. You think think thoughts and see images same with a spouse or, or anyone in a romantic relationship you you just spend time in that monologue so let's separate the thought from the thinker yes so now here we are we're sitting down in a chair we're sitting on a floor we've closed our eyes and we're viewing the thoughts that come across we're not trying to stop them if we could stop them we if, if we could we would right try not to think okay who, who managed that well, why couldn't you? If you're in charge of your thoughts, right? If I'm in charge of moving my left arm up and down, I can consciously say, okay, I'm not going to do that. But thoughts emanate from somewhere else, so we cannot stop them. What we want to do is view them as if, and this is the example I gave to you, as if you were sitting at the gate of an airport and there are people who have just gotten off the flight at your gate and they're walking by you. You notice, okay, there's a woman in a red dress with a bag, okay. She just walks off and then she goes about her life. But if she were a thought, say, I have to do my laundry today, it's as if you physically get up, follow her outside of the airport, get in the car with her, drive to her house and start living her life with her. (laughs) Because the thought is, I have to do my laundry. Shit, I wish I had more detergent. God, I got to get better about my time management. I can't believe it. And then Mm -hmm. then we're off. Then we're watching a movie right, where our subconscious has let go. It's sort of, again, another example is like watching TV and just flipping the channels and noticing that there's a new show every time I push that button. So click, new show, click, new show, click, new show. Oh, wow, a half an hour went by and I was lost in this show. That's the same distinction we're putting between our thoughts. So really that's the goal, if you want to even put the word G-O-A-L onto meditation. Mm -hmm. It's just to view the thought but view it consciously. Okay, I know I have to do my laundry. It's like that came across the screen of my mind and I'm just gonna let that go and then come back to being me, come back to my center, come back to following my breath. And now another thought comes up. Oh, it's the kid's birthday coming up. I need to get a cake. Okay, as opposed to now running to the store mentally, purchasing the cake and then stressing out over how many kids are gonna come and then wherever that takes you, whatever Mm -hmm. wormhole, it's just letting that thought go. And so what this does over time, if we stick to it, and this, think of meditation just like exercise. Once a week for training, you're not going to get that much of a result. And we're talking five minutes a day for most people is all they can handle. Now imagine if you did it twice a week. Now imagine if you did it three times a week. Now imagine if you did it three times a week for a year. How would that change you as an athlete? Now imagine you did it three times a week for 10 years. Now, how different of an athlete are you? Can you feel the nuance when you do a snatch between if your hand is an inch to the right or an inch to the left? Yes, you can. But in the first week, all you're trying to do is get the weight off the floor. All you're trying to do is show up to the damn gym, mm-hmm. let alone worry about the, the minutia of it. So all meditation is better than no meditation. And we just did a six-week course here um, 
and had people say, well, you know, I was supposed to do it every day, but I only did it twice a week, so I failed. Okay, but you did it 200% more than you were doing before, and so you got benefit from it. So as, as often and as frequent and as consistently as you can throw those five-minute pieces of peace into your life, yes, the better the benefit will be. However, this can be used acutely. It can be, okay, I just got in an argument with my girlfriend. I need to spend five minutes of just concentrating on my breath and letting these thoughts go as opposed to having an internal monologue before I step out of my, my patrol car and deal with some asshole. So these can be used as specific pieces. But just like uh, fitness and nutrition, they should be a daily part of your life. So... Um you recommended uh, you know, get up. Mm-hmm. The, the best time for me has been, of course, first thing in the morning. You know, mm-hmm. Get up, use a bathroom, hit the head or whatever, and mm-hmm. uh, get a comfortable spot. You want it uh, seated. Right? Yeah, I, I like seated. People ask, can I lie down? And I say, yes, if you won't fall asleep. <laughs> but I don't know many people that don't. Yeah. And I think it also takes your attention away. So this should not be complete relaxation. So what I do is find a, I have, if you don't have a meditation mat that you sit on, then sit on the edge of a chair with your spine erect. So you are, there is concentration. This is an active effort. And if you're holding your shoulders back, your chin back, and you're in a really good structural alignment, then first of all, your musculature is not responsible for holding you. So when that fatigues, your mind doesn't fatigue, right? It's like putting a 300 pound back squat on your back and just standing there. Yeah, you got to stand at attention. But if we bend you over a little bit, you're not going to be able to hold that for very long. So I recommend first thing in the morning because your brain hasn't really kicked on. So I will never meditate bef- after, or I would not say never. I don't like to meditate after checking my email. I don't like to meditate after turning my phone on. Why? Because sometimes there's crisis or there's it's perceived crisis. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, shit, I've got to answer that email. And you know what I think about for the first 10 minutes of the meditation? I write the damn email reply. Right. But if you just come out of bed where you're just waking up and the day hasn't had a chance to assault upon you yet, then it's your time. It's you. It's just you and your being. It's just you and your thoughts. You're naturally a little bit more calm. So sit at the edge of your chair. Your hands can be relaxed in your, in your lap or on your legs. It doesn't really matter. Don't get lost in the minutia of it. It's what's happening in your mind and in your being, not so much as your body. And I recommend just following your breath. And now what the hell does that mean? Count them. So breathe out on a one count. One, 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 one. Breathe in on a one count. One, 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 one. Breathe out on a two count. Two, 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 two. And what that does, especially in the beginning, it just gives you something to focus on that's specific. Most people will make it to about one and a half and then start thinking about their day. So it's one, 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 one. God, I got to do my laundry. Shit. Okay. So that happened. Mm-hmm. Let's not judge it. Let's not go, fuck, I suck at meditation. I'm never going to do this. This is so stupid. I can't believe that guy wanted me to not drink and do this. That stupid podcast. Just let it go. Okay. So I'm back to one. One, 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 one. And just keep doing that. Focus on it. Always focus on coming back to your breath, coming back to yourself, coming back to the silence coming back to the peace that you can try to find in your head. If thoughts are just ripping through you, just be aware of that. That's it's it's that A point we talked about in the first first talk of where is your A point? Point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Your A point is that your mind is so used to wreaking havoc on you. It's like a unruly toddler. 
oh wow now you're gonna put me in the corner and tell me that i can't do this okay well let's let's start ripping shit up around here and see who's in charge so i i believe that 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 second weekend i did kind of broke my brain and was my brain was like all right i get it i'm now the beta around here mm-hmm. so i'm not gonna kick and scream and fuss and now after doing it i've been engaged in probably an hour of a day of meditation for the last two months because of some stuff that's happening in my personal life and have found that the end of those two months the sense of peace and the nuance of the peace and the nuance of the silence is so much richer and deeper in ways that i actually as someone who's very word oriented can't articulate mm-hmm. and i'm excited just for myself to see what happens in a year if i keep this up or two years oh what happens in five years that's where i could get to the point where my teacher was where she was sleeping three hours a night because she was engaged in so much meditation where she wasn't really psychic but just had such a sense of the world around her on a deeper level which you think for your your job where you guys have to trust your gut so much you have to trust your instinct and your intuition so heavily do i really want to walk in this door or do i want to call for backup something about the situation doesn't feel right let's get get you guys out of your heads where it's this constant barrage of noise and and, and being assaulted and get you dropped down into the sense of peace and the sense of sturdiness the sense of groundedness and then let you make decisions from there absolutely one more really important point as a benefit of meditation is not just the patience which i will tell you is extraordinary after you've done it for a little while what you are more patient with but what you develop and this is crucial in your work is a sense of pause between stimulus and reaction so someone bumps into you in the parking lot you have an immediate choice most people fly right off the handle right someone took their parking spot holy shit people kill each other in this country over parking spots <laughs> because there's immediate reaction it's i can't believe they just did that it's all about me blah blah, blah. i'm gonna get them so for someone in, in your in your profession to be able to have it's like someone actually pushing a pause button on a remote control and you sitting back and go okay he just called me an asshole I could do one of three things, two of which are not going to be good. The third one is the highest way to go. That's the one I'm going to choose. Okay, cool. Let's push play. Play, sir, I can't let you do that. Here we go. Mm -hmm. That is an extraordinary skill to have as a human being and an even more extraordinary skill to have both as a parent and truly as someone that interacts with the public in a a way that has danger. Yeah, it seems like it's something that... um the guys who do it that we already mentioned, it really brings out their emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. or emotional courage is another way to say it. Yeah. And, uh, demonstrated in, in that ability to pause and process a reaction. Yeah. And one benefit I've found just in the short time I'm, that I've been doing it. And I think that would relate to officers who are listening to this so that they can understand maybe a direct application uh, of it is that we often talk a lot about um, you know when you're at work you need to leave your home life at home mm-hmm. you know and you can't bring that baggage with you mm. into the patrol car because mm. if you are preoccupied with a fight with your wife or bills or maybe the kids are sick it might affect your response to something it absolutely and has to and we we usually preface it in the survival um, 
that's how we kind of talk about it. So what I mean is if you got all that stuff going on in your head about your kids being sick or the bills or a fight with your wife, you may not notice the guy with the gun right. when you do the car stop and you walk up on the car because your head's not in the game. Right. Right. And to keep your head in the game, you got to stay focused on what you're doing at work. And for for people listening who are wondering if this can apply to them, it absolutely does. And I've I have felt a benefit of being able to kind of keep that other stuff mm. uh, off duty, mm. and that when I do it and then I go into work, I am much more present, and that's, I can. That's the key word. Yeah, and I can I can focus on what the task at hand at work. Right. And that task at hand might be noticing the guy with a gun right. or the knife in the guy's pocket right. on the contact. And that might be the thing that saves my life. Right. Or your partner's life. Or my partner's life. Yeah. Um, so that is a direct application and why it could be very important to us. And anything, anything I can do to be more aware mm. at work, keeping my head on a swivel mm. and aware of the threats around me, I'm game. Yeah. So if you're out there and you started this podcast, this episode, uh, you're still as, listening as not a believer <laughs> and you're still listening. <laughs> that is, that is from, from one cop to another. That is one of the most direct applications that I've found Yeah, that it might be something that helps me keep the off duty stuff off duty. Yeah. And maybe it'll, maybe it'll save uh, my life or someone else's. Right. There is no profession. There is no, place in the human experience where being more present isn't valuable and sure we can talk about all of the distractions from cell phones to media to you name it to we are not a present society we try to disengage in every avenue we every area we can you get home from work you crack a beer you turn the tv on right we are unpresent in our relationships we are unpresent in our jobs we are unpresent in our bodies so presence the sense of this is exactly what's happening at this exact moment with no other extraneous bullshit will lead to a higher quality of life for absolutely anyone, no matter what your position or, or what your goals are or, or what your standing is in life. It is unbelievably powerful. And I think the root of pretty much every challenge we face is, as individuals and as a society of, at large is a lack of presence. So let's let's tap into something I've, I've said too that one of the reasons I meditate is because for 20 minutes I don't buy into the collective consciousness I don't buy into the bullshit it's like for 20 minutes I don't engage in reality TV the radio media all the crap of politics everything that's going on around us in the world that's not healthy I don't engage in that no one gets me for those 20 minutes I can get me and and me just spending that time with me as as, as almost childish as that sounds is far more valuable to how I am in, a, in the world as a man and a human being than literally anything else I do. Yeah. If you were to ask, and I've just recently started grappling with this question, which is more important movement and fitness or meditation and stillness, I would be hard pressed to give you an answer. And that's a 35 year athlete and a professional fitness trainer and someone that can't go unless I'm meditating five minutes without moving. Yeah. That, but, that's that should tell you something. It. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to post some uh, resources on our website, uh, squadroom.net for uh, people who want to learn more, learn more about the process, maybe need some apps to help them figure it out or that yeah. sort of stuff. So you can go there and check that out. 
Uh, do it. Yeah. Try it. Stick with it. Don't buy into the bullshit of why it doesn't work or it doesn't work for you or why it won't benefit you. It will benefit every single human being, period. It, it does. It, there is a benefit even as a beginner. Yep. Um, as uh, specifically for what we do out there, uh, lots of lots of benefits. So give it a shot. Give it a go. The worst thing is, the even if you don't like it, the worst thing is you tried it. Yep, absolutely. Right. All right. Thanks for coming by. Not man. at all, man. Thanks for having me. All right. There's episode six of the Squadron. If you made it this far without turning it off, thank you. Appreciate it. Your open mind. Call it tactical meditation. Call it warrior meditation. Call it what you like. I don't care. But give it a shot. I think you'll find some value. You'll find some stillness in your mind. And like I said at the end of the show, if you can turn off parts of your brain, I think it makes you a better officer because you're able to provide more focus when you're at work. And the focus is what keeps us alive. As always, you can reach us out thesquadroom.net or on Instagram or Twitter at thesquadroom. Shoot us an email, squadroompodcast at gmail.com. Let us know who you think should be on the show. What kind of things do you want to hear about? What kind of guests do you want to have on the show? We'd love to hear from you. All right, everybody, stay safe. Take care of each other. Mm-hmm.